Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Deuteronomy 14, we're going to move forward in this uh, preaching and teaching series working our way through the book of Deuteronomy, I pray that it is blessing you as much as it is blessing me. I am thoroughly enjoying uh, the insights the Lord is giving me here in Deuteronomy. And today we're going to be in chapter 14. Now we're going to try to deal with uh, almost the whole chapter, but I'm only going to read a portion of verse 1 and all of verse 2 to get us started. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 14, I'm sorry, chapter 14, a part of verse 1 and all of verse 2. This series is for all of us, is for uh, the older crowd, but it's really also for our younger crowd, our young adults, our youth. Uh, I really pray that this word can bless and empower, inspire, drive uh, all of us, especially our younger generation, but I really really want everyone to glean uh, from this series of Deuteronomy. Here's what we find in Deuteronomy 14. Just going to read that first part of verse 1, then all of verse 2. It begins by saying, ye are the children of the Lord your God. And then verse 2, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Title of today's message is very simple. You belong to God. You belong to God. Amen. Amen. God gave Israel his possession boundaries for grieving, eating, and compassionate generosity that would distinguish them from other nations. I want you to look at verses 1 and 2 again. That really is the whole sermon right there. Look at verses 1 and 2. Verse 1, ye are the children of the Lord your God. Verse 2, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Peter told us something along those same lines. When he said in 1 Peter 2 and 9, 1 Peter 2 and 9, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. We belong to God. Everyone who is born again, washed by the blood of Jesus, saved by grace through faith and following the Lord belongs to God. We are God's possession, his treasured possession. Now, granted, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. As the old spiritual sings, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, you and me, sister, in his hands. Everyone belongs to God generally. But Israel and all who follow his son Jesus belong to him particularly as his own chosen people. So we, as followers of Jesus, are distinguished as God's possession. We are holy, set apart, different from the world. We are to be distinguished because our God is distinguished. There is none like him. uh, There is no one or no thing that can compare to him. There is no other God but him. He is in a class all by himself. 
He told us in his word to be holy because he is holy. God is holy, so those who belong to him are to be holy, set apart, distinguished. So what you and I must do is live as distinguished people who belong to God. How are we to do so? Now, it would take a very, very long time to provide an exhaustive answer to such a question. But here in Deuteronomy 14, Moses tells us three ways we can live as people who belong to God. Moses would tell us we can do it by honoring God's boundaries for grieving, grubbing, and giving. That's the whole message right there. Uh, I, I, we can really pronounce the benediction right now, and you can go ahead and start eating those chicken wings you got saved up for your Super Bowl party. But let's, 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 let's expound on these three things uh, very quickly, and we're going to raise up. Number one, grieve like you belong to God. That's what Moses is telling this generation that's about to go into Canaan. He tells them in verses 1 and 2, grieve like you belong to God. Let me read those two verses again. This time I'm going to read all of verse 1. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. For thou art in holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Moses is encouraging the children of Israel to grieve as though they belong to God. He told them not to cut themselves when they grieved because sometimes when people grieved, they cut themselves. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophets of Baal cut themselves as they cried out for Baal to move on their behalf. And some people engage in cutting today in order to cope with some tough realities in life. Moses also told them not to make any baldness between their eyes. In other words, don't shave your eyebrows or the hair on your forehead as an act of grieving. Now, I know that may sound strange to some of us, but that was that was a part of Egyptian culture. And there was supposedly a practice in ancient Egypt where some people would shave their eyebrows. Watch this, y'all. When their cats die. Cats were precious animals and were virtually worshipped in ancient Egypt. And when someone's cat died, they often shaved their eyebrows and would grieve until their eyebrows grew back. Cats were so precious in ancient Egypt, this is just uh, some additional information that's for free, uh, that if you accidentally killed someone's cat, it will cost you your life. You'd be executed. So in verses 1 and 2, Moses was telling this generation not to grieve like heathen. They were to grieve as if they belonged to God. Now, now don't get it twisted. He is not telling them they cannot grieve over lost loved ones. By no means is he telling them such a thing. He's, he's, he's affirming that it's okay to grieve. All of us who belong to God are not forbidden to grieve. Jesus grieved over the loss of Lazarus. It's okay to grieve over lost loved ones. So how do people who belong to God grieve? The first thing I tell you is this is 1A if you're taking notes. Uh, grieve as if you have hope. Grieve as if you have hope. Paul tells the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to those believers who died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. When those who belong to God lose a loved one who also belonged to God, followed Jesus as Savior and Lord, was washed in his blood, saved by his grace, we are to grieve as though we have hope. We grieve with an expectation of seeing them again. We expect them to live on beyond the grave because of God's plan for all of us who fall asleep in Christ. We grieve 
with hope. That's one thing that sets us apart from the world. We grieve as if we have hope. So if your loved one has transitioned to be with the Lord, to rest or rest in the blessed hope that for them to be absent from the body, they are present with the Lord. So how do I grieve like I belong to God? Grieve as if you have hope. Second thing I would tell you is grieve as if you have help. Grieve as if you have help. If you take your notes, that'd be 1B. Grieve as if you have help. Those of us who belong to God have help in him as the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul encouraged the Corinthians with these words. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So do not grieve as though you are helpless. If you belong to God, you can turn to him, the God of all comfort. He can help you in dealing with your loss. And this is what has helped God's people, especially black people, down through the years. We had to turn to Jesus when we had no one else to call and he helped us. We called on the Lord when our families were split apart and sold and scattered like seed across the landscape of evil slavery. But God helped us. We called on the Lord when black bodies hung from trees like strange fruit. And God helped us. We call him now when we lose people we love to cancer or COVID, sugar or suicide. The God to whom we belong helps us in our grief. He is the God of all comfort. God helps us directly and indirectly. He, he can help you directly by giving you joy and your sorrow and, and hope for tomorrow. You, you can praise him in your grief and he'll inhabit your praise and, and give you strength to move forward. But he can also help you indirectly through others that he has helped before. Paul said the God of all comfort, watch this y'all, comforts us so we can comfort others. God can comfort you indirectly by giving you strength through other folk. He has already comforted. So you are not helpless. You are not helpless. Get with people of God who can help comfort you and strengthen you when you've lost someone you love. Elizabeth Gilbert, author of a book, Eat, Pray, Love, said, Deep grief sometimes is almost like a specific location, a coordinate on a map of time. When you are standing in that forest of sorrow, you cannot imagine that you could ever find your way to a better place. But if someone can assure you that they themselves have stood in that same place and now have moved on, sometimes this will bring hope. God can help you make it through your loss. So grieve as though you belong to God. Grieve with hope. Grieve with help. But not only must you grieve like you belong to God, secondly, grub like you belong to God. I know that may be too unsophisticated for a bunch of you, but grub, yeah, grub like you belong to God. Moses in verses 3 to 21, verses 3 to 21, Moses reminds the children of Israel of some food God allows as well as forbids them to eat. So take a look, take, take a look so you'll know what to eat and what not to eat at your Super Bowl party later today. Look at verse 3. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. These are the beasts which ye shall eat. The ox, go ahead and eat those oxtails. The sheep, go ahead and eat those lamb chops. And the goat, go ahead and get, those, get you some curry goat at your Super Bowl party. Verse 4, uh, uh, verse 5, the heart or deer, 
and the roebuck, which is perhaps a gazelle or an animal that may actually be extinct by now, and the fallow deer and the wild goat and the pygarg. How many of y'all going to have already planned to have pygarg at your Super Bowl party today? A pygarg is probably an antelope or it could be a, a variety of a mountain goat. The wild ox and the chamois. Chamois perhaps also a mountain goat. All right. Look at verse seven. Look at verse seven. Nevertheless, these ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud or of them that divide the cloven hoof as the camel and the hare. Not certain exactly what that is. You would automatically assume that it's probably a rabbit, but it's, it may be an extinct animal. And the coney, which is perhaps a small rabbit like creature, for they chew the cud, but divide not the hoof. Therefore, they are unclean unto you. Verse eight. Verse 8. Come on, verse 8. <laughs> don't, y'all turn, don't y'all turn that stream off. Don't you turn that stream off. And the swine. And the swine. Because it divided the hoof. Don't you eat those pork ribs at your Super Bowl party today. Don't you have no ham. Don't you have no ham at the Super Bowl. Now listen, I, seriously, don't you tune out now. You're going to miss some very important insight I'm about, to give, I'm about to give you. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9, first lady. These ye shall eat of all that are in the waters, all that have fins and scales shall ye eat. And whatsoever hath not fins and scales, like shrimp, lobster, crabs, catfish, Ye may not eat. It is unclean unto you. So for your Super Bowl parties today, serve all the oxtails, lamb chops, curry goat you want. They're on the approved list. But if you're wondering about those pork ribs, scrimps, and catfish, listen to what Paul told Timothy. Listen to what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 5. This is the word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 5. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of those pork ribs, lamb chops, curry goat, shrimp, catfish. But receive it with thanks, for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. And all of y'all who are tripping for a couple of seconds, say, Whew. Yeah, you don't have to change your, mem- your menu for your Super Bowl party today. But grub like you belong to God. Say grace and go for it. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's more to what we eat than what we eat. Look at what happened. I want you to look at this. Turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 9. I need y'all to see this. If you you can open this app on another device, look at Acts chapter 10, verse 9. We need to see what happened to Simon Peter in the book of Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. There's more to what we eat than what we eat. Acts chapter 10, verse 9, the next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon. He was hungry, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open in verse 11, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In verse 12, the sheet in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him in verse 13, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord. Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws, like the one Moses told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 14, 
were have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter had this trance before he was sent by God to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, Cornelius was a centurion, an, an, an Italian Gentile, someone outside of the chosen Jewish people. He, he was a good God-fearing man, a Jesus-following man. He hosted little church meetings in his house. They probably had invocation with scripture readings, devotion from the deacons, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if Cornelius had a choir marching in, you know, to an old choir song, singing that A and that B selection, all at Cornelius' house. But while Peter was having his trance, Cornelius was having a trance too. The same God who was giving revelation to Peter the Jew was giving revelation to Cornelius the Gentile. The same God who claimed Peter claimed Cornelius. Cornelius belonged to the same God to whom Peter belonged. Cornelius sent for Peter according to the dream that he had and Peter accepted the invitation. Pete gets there, a few members of Cornelius' house church were there, and Reverend Dr. Apostle Peter had this to say in his introductory remarks in Acts 10, verse 28. You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with y'all. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. I know what you're asking. What did Peter's vision about food have to do with how he looked at Cornelius and his Gentile brothers and sisters? Does this have any relationship with Moses' reminder of the Levitical dietary laws here in Deuteronomy 14? And the answer is yes. Yes, there is a relationship between it all, and it all boils down to holiness. Holiness. People who belong to God are to be holy. We are to understand and agree with what God deems holy and profane, acceptable and abominable, sacred and sinful, clean and unclean. Now, anyone like me trying to make sense of why God allowed certain creatures to be eaten while forbidding others will have a difficult time rationalizing it. You can argue from an angle of hygiene and say the forbidden foods are bad for your health and that's why God forbade them, but you come up short with such an argument. The basis for the distinction between clean and unclean food is for those who belong to God to clearly understand that holiness infiltrates our whole life. What we eat, what we wear, how we treat people, you name it. Holiness infiltrates our whole life. So when Peter had his vision of animals to eat, God was revealing to him something bigger than grub. God was trying to get Peter to see that as he was embracing Jews in the kingdom, he was also embracing Gentiles. So Peter needed to embrace who God embraced. Peter needed to see holiness as agreeing with God in terms of whatever or whoever was clean or unclean. He needed to make some adjustments in how he looked at Gentiles. He needed to see it as the will of God for him to serve them, see them as brothers and sisters, and be free to fellowship with them. You can imagine how this made Peter feel. 
He had been taught his whole life to stay away from Gentiles. He was taught not to eat with those people. Don't go, don't go inside those people's houses. Don't eat those people's food. Don't do business with those people, those Gentiles. And here comes God through, his, through this vision telling him he has to change. His vision was bigger than food. Oh, but before we move on. Before we move on, let's look at something significant Jesus said regarding his disciples getting their grub on. I want you to see this with your own eyes. Look at Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 14. Mark chapter 7, verse 14. If you can open another app on another device while keep this, keeping this stream going, I would encourage you to open that app, open that Bible to Mark chapter 7. Beginning at verse 10, look at what Jesus gave as a teaching for how people who belong to God ought to grub. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come in here. All of you listen and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Verse 18, verse 18 he says, don't you understand either? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? That shrimp, crab, lobsters, pork ribs, ham, uh, uh, catfish cannot defile you? Verse 19, oh, verse 19 in the New Living Translation is so awesome. Food doesn't go into your heart, but only pass through the stomach and then goes into the sewer hear me y'all hear the word of God by saying this he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes verse 20 he added it is what comes from inside that defiles you for from within out of a person's heart come evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery greed wickedness deceit Lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So the question for people who belong to God is, what can I grub on to help, to help me have better heart health? And when it comes to better heart health, I'm not talking about grubbing on leafy green vegetables, oatmeal, almonds, walnuts, garlic and avocados to name a few i'm not talking about foods black folk uh, uh need to eat due to our history of heart disease we are two times more likely to die from heart disease than white people we should be talking about what we grew up on that works against healthy heart function like fried foods sugar salt when we talk about grub in the black community we need to talk about what attacks our hearts physically but let's raise a question in light of what Moses, Peter, and Jesus said about food. What can we grub on to help us live like we belong to God and dump what, 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 what defiles us like evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Because if you want to live right, you've got to eat right. Say that again for all of y'all in the front. If you want to live right, You've got to eat right. And too many of us are grubbing on spiritual junk food. Too many saints are spiritually malnourished and weak. That's why, you, that's why no one can tell you apart from the world. There's nothing that makes, you, makes it clear that you belong to God. To the generation on the come up, grub like you belong to God. 
there's a kickboxing workout I do every now and then, Minister Hardy. It has six rounds of kickboxing. And, and at the end of the round, the fourth round, the guy leading the workout says, if you're feeling weak, it's probably because you haven't been eating right. Then he says he has another video with eating plans with tips to help folk reach their fitness goals. And, and some of us, some of you would do well to plan what you will consume spiritually so you can live like you belong to God. Here are some things I put in such a plan. Grub on the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the Spirit of God. Feast on Him every day. He is good for the heart. He sanctifies it. He, he transforms it. The Holy Ghost does a continual cleanse if you let Him so we can live holy. The Bible equates the Holy Ghost to water. And just as water is good for us in the natural, the Holy Ghost is good water for us spiritually. Jesus said in John 7, 38 and 39, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the Spirit. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. If you want good physical health, drink lots of water. About half your body weight in ounces of water. If you want good spiritual health, you want to live. If you want to live like you belong to God, guzzle lots of Holy Ghost water. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost every day. Especially if you're getting tempted every day. Especially if you're catching hell every day. Drink of the Holy Ghost every day. But not only that, I would grub on the word of God. Grub on the word of God. If you want to live right, you've got to eat right. Feast on the fiber of God's word. It will help you stay regular. It helps us eliminate waste of what defiles us, what makes us look and live like the world. David said it helps us live holy when we hide it in our hearts. Meditate and reflect on God's word. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't see to listen you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others instead you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food for, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong what is clean what is unclean and finally finally as as much as so many of us hate it if we're going to grow up like we belong to god we need to tear up some all you can eat accountability I grub on accountability like it's a like it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. Grub on accountability to, like like veterans do at restaurants that feed us for free on veterans day let's feast on accountability like it's going out of style because it is uh, accountability, people being held accountable is something that's, that's going out of style. But accountability, repentance are just a few things like fellowship with, with other believers. Solitude and meditation can help all of us take a dump and eliminate evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. If you, if you want to live like you belong to God, you've got to grieve like you belong to God. You've got to grub like you belong to God. And finally, you've got to give like you belong to God. Give like you belong to God. Grieve like you belong to God. Grub like you belong to God. And give like you belong to God. Moses told this generation on the verge of conquering the promised land to be givers. Two things here real quick. First of all, look at verses 22 to 26. 
Verses 22 to 26, Moses told them, give to the Lord. Give to the Lord. Verse 22, thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the field bringeth forth a year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thy oil, and thy firstlings, and the firstlings of thy herd and thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. All the way down to verse 26. So I dealt with this last Sunday. I'm not going to expound on it too much today. But allow me to remind you that giving to the Lord is something that those who belong to God do. It's just something that we do. It is something that springs from a holy life and a grateful heart. We give a tithe to the Lord because we recognize he blessed us with increase. Increase in our income would never happen without the Lord's blessing. So returning a tenth to him is only right. Give like you belong to God and give to the Lord. Also, also give to the least, the left out and the overlooked. Give to the least, the left out and the overlooked. This takes us from verses 27 to 29. Verse 27, and the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. Dealt with that last Sunday. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase. The same year shall lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow with, which are within thy gates shall come and shall eat and be satisfied. And the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. Moses encouraged the children of Israel to give to those who depended on the generosity of others in order to make it. The Levites, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow were the least, the left out, and the overlooked in their society. Uh, they, they, they were to give so that the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow would have their needs met. There was no welfare system in the promised land. There was no Medicare or Social Security in the promised land. God was telling them, give so that the least, the left out and the overlooked can say, the reason why we made it was because God used somebody generous and compassionate to help us out. Black history is a story of a vast majority of us living as the least, the left out and the overlooked. Some of us know how it feels to be like the, ro the loyal Levites with no land of their own. Strangers in foster care without your father because he was locked up or just didn't show up. Widowed with no insurance or social security or having young mouths to feed. When you've lived on the bottom and in the back and the margins, it can make you believe no one cares and you don't matter. Life doesn't matter. Success doesn't matter and it's out of reach. No one cares that you're hungry. No one cares that you're cold in the winter. No one cares that you're wondering what's wrong with you that your dad won't come around. No one notices that you're a young widow with all those kids to feed and clothe and look after while you work two or three jobs and still can't make ends meet. They lived in food deserts, but no one cares. The police unnecessarily harass people in their neighborhoods. They, they have lots of churches in their neighborhoods, but very little ministry in their neighborhoods. When these people are faced with a global pandemic, life gets even more complicated and hard and miserable. But God be praised for who he puts in place to give and demonstrate generous compassion. Gloria had a baby at 16 years old. She stayed with her brothers, Kurt and Terry, and their mother, Frida. Frida died on Christmas Day when Gloria was 19. Her baby was just one week shy of his third birthday. 
Gloria, Kurt, and Terry tried to stay in the house, but they couldn't pay the bills. In one harsh winter, Gloria had to take her baby and find somewhere else to stay, and they moved around from place to place. And for the next five or six years, they moved around, and the instability was proving detrimental to her son. By the time he turned eight years old, he's playing peewee football for Coach Frank Walker. The Walker family took the little boy in, and he would stay with them during the week and then with his mother on the weekends. Coach Frank Walker eventually got little LeBron James on his rec league basketball team. And LeBron credits Coach Walker and his family with helping him to become the man he is today. Sometimes God would just put you in someone's path to show them that you care, that you're willing to give so that their needs are met. And sometimes giving to the least, the left out and the overlooked can make a huge difference in someone's world. Give like you belong to God. And here's what God said he would do at the very end of verse 29. That the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. If you really want to be blessed, you need to give. If you really want to see God bless you to reap more than you ever could have sown, you need to give. And in your giving, give to the Lord who blessed you with increase. Give toward the least, the left out, and the overlooked, and make a difference in someone's life. I'm finished, y'all. And people who belong to God are called to live holy. We are not called to be carnal. We are not called to live in the world and in the kingdom. We are called to live holy. We belong to God. We belong to God. You belong to God. I'm here to tell you, you may not be perfect. I'm not perfect either, but you if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if your sins have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, if you, if you claim Jesus as Savior and Lord, you belong to God. I encourage you to live like it. I encourage you to grieve like it. I encourage you to grub like it. I encourage you to give like it. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus makes it all possible? That Jesus hanging, bleeding, and dying on Calvary's cross makes it possible to belong to God. For God to claim you as his very own. Doesn't matter how much money you give. Doesn't matter how many old ladies you help across the street. Doesn't matter how many good deeds you do. If you want to belong to God particularly, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He made it possible through his death, burial, and resurrection. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.